Turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 16. You know, when my kids were younger, it was so hard to be able to help them clean their room. Now, I tried not to help them. I would give them instructions, okay, make sure that you clean your room and see all this stuff. It's, I don't want you to just clean the stuff in the middle. I want you to clean the stuff behind the door and in the closet where I see you put most of your stuff. And as I would look under the bed, sure enough, I would see stuff under the bed. And I said, you got to clean that out too. That's what it means to clean the room. So I would check back in maybe 10 minutes, see how they're doing. And generally, what would happen is they got so busy cleaning up their toys that their toys would distract them. And they would start playing with their toys, whatever it was. Maybe it was that coolest toy in the world. But they would start playing with their toy, right? And I would come in, and I would say, okay, so have you finished cleaning your room? I knew the answer. They hadn't. I wanted them to tell me, uh, Dad, no, I hadn't. And so I said, okay, you need to put the toy down, and you need to put the toy in the toy box. And I would sometimes have to stand there to keep them on target. But eventually, they would get the room cleaned, just as long as I had made sure they stayed on task. You know, when I started my business, I put together a general plan for the business. And the reason why I did this, I created a mission statement, is because I wanted my business, and this is what really all business owners do, they want, I wanted to create a business that would stand out. I wanted something about it that would say, you need my services. You know, when I started the church, I did the same thing, and I put together a, kind of like a business proposal, but I, what is our mission statement? Now, before I read Mark chapter, in Mark chapter 16, I want to ask you, what is your mission statement? When you die and you go to heaven and you live the rest of eternity in heaven, what would you have accomplished here on this earth? What you accomplish, what your goal is, that's what needs to be your mission statement. We all need to have this mission statement. We all need to have this goal that we are moving towards. And I want to challenge you, what is your mission statement? And if you pull together this mission statement, this goal for your life, and what is it that you're even wanting to accomplish? I'm going to challenge you throughout this message, stay on task. Jesus' final words that we're about to read was a challenge just like that. Mark chapter 16, we're going to start with verse 15, and we're going to read to the end of the chapter. And this is what it says, he said to them, Just before he ascends, this is what he says. Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They shall pick up snakes with their hands. When they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it by the signs that accompanied it. You know, as a, as a church, when I put together, and obviously my wife and I prayed about this considerably, 
um, and had been actually for many, many years, our mission statement was very simply to be intimate with Christ and make disciples. Those two things, to be intimate with Christ and make disciples. And the reason why we did this is because Jesus said the two greatest commands were to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. (laughs) In order to truly love your neighbor as yourself, then that meant, first and foremost, I wanted them to be able to experience this life transformation that I had experienced, that my wife had experienced, that my children were experiencing. We wanted them to be able to experience the power of the gospel. And so our greatest desire was to love God with all of our heart and be able to introduce as many people as possible to Jesus Christ to be able to see them then turn around and do the same. And it is the gospel making disciples that begins this journey of loving our neighbor as ourselves. So that was our goal. And to be honest with you, it's easy to get derailed from a goal. Problems come up, struggles come up, financial issues come up that can derail us if we're not careful. And I'm going to encourage you, as you put together your mission, your life mission, you need to make sure that you don't get derailed from that mission. Life circumstances are going to come at you fast, and Satan's goal is to take you out, take you off course, and divert you over to the side and marginalize your, your abilities to make disciples. And so these are Jesus's last words. And in his parting words, he focuses on three very quick things. He, he assumes one thing, he commands us to do one thing, and then he promises us one thing. Now, do you see that? The first thing I want us to see right here is that Jesus assumes one thing. You know what that one thing that he assumes is that you're going to go. Now, it looks here as if he is telling them to go, but as we read in the actual Greek, it says, going, preach the good news. That's an assumption then. If you're going to do what I'm asking, you're going to have to go. And for you to accomplish that life mission, you're going to need to do something. You're not going to just need to think about it. You're not just going to need to put it down on paper and plan it. I mean, I love planning. I love making lists. But I got to do something about it. They say that intentions pave the way to failure. You see, it's intentions coupled with action that bring success. There's a plan. There's an action And then there's a goal achieved. I've heard it said, all that's necessary for evil to prevail is for good men to do nothing. We need a plan. We need action to achieve our goal of making disciples or whatever mission statement that's focused on Christ that beats in your heart, that God is leading to you. We must do something. But what is that something? Jesus tells us here. The second thing is he gives us, he tells us what to do. Here Jesus commands, preach the gospel, the good news. Speak it, talk it, share it. Wherever you go, let this be something that you constantly communicate with people. Let this be your life ambition. Now let's understand that this is given to disciples and very probably the apostles. 
But in the context, he talks about those who believe, and it becomes obvious that this isn't just for the 12 apostles. Otherwise, we would have no need to continue to preach the gospel. It's not just for pastors. It's not just for evangelists. It's not just for missionaries. This is for all of us. Matthew 28, worded just a little differently, he said, go and make disciples. So this is what we're told to do. We are to make disciples. You know, I fear that if we are to do something, I'm wondering what that something might be. For some, that something leaves the gospel out or completely redefines what the gospel is. Their plan is not rooted in the gospel. Their action is not rooted in the gospel. Their goal is not rooted in the gospel. There are many today, like for example, within Marxism and communism, they desire to have a better society, what we would call a utopian utopian society. But within Marxism, they remove God from the picture And they hope that by their own efforts, they will be able to build a society that is much better. Church, I'm going to tell you right now, communism, Marxism is a complete failure. If we look over in China right now and we want to point to that as a success, let me just remind you that that is not a pure Marxist society by any means. And they bring other elements, including capitalism, into it. And I'm just going to tell you, wherever Marxism is rooted, that nation always according to history, falls. It doesn't work. Do you know why it doesn't work? Because it is rooted in man's abilities, man's power. It leaves God out of the picture, and the solution they bring to the table is what I can do to change my society. I am all about us being a part of change. But the gospel has got to be at the very heart of it. The heart of the gospel is reconciliation. It is redemption. It is God's call to a broken, fallen world to come out of that brokenness and that darkness and to walk in the light and allow the truth, the light of the gospel, the light of God's word to change us by the power of the spirit in us. That is the road to healing in our society. And we're facing a lot of challenges right now. As we're talking about racial reconciliation, I'm going to tell you right now, man's efforts can go so far. But if you leave God out of that picture, if you leave the gospel out or you change and redefine what the gospel even is, because that's being done, we will never accomplish the change that we're really looking for. It will be man's best efforts. And I'm going to tell you right now, man's best efforts never work. They never work. We must see the gospel as the very center of the solution that we talk about. We're told to go and speak, share, proclaim, preach the gospel, okay? And it is the gospel that is going to change. It's the truth that sets men free. Not men's ideas, God's ideas. I'm going to talk more about that next week. So what is our goal? As you look here, what is is Jesus' goal? What's the ultimate goal? Proclaiming the good news. Is it to save all creation? 
Did he say, go and save all mankind? I tell you what, that's above my pay grade. I can't do that. I regularly find myself as a pastor in a situation where I might know what someone should do according to God's word, but it is up to them what they choose to do. It's out of my abilities. I feel helpless. I feel frustrated. I I pray for them and I cry out to God that they would hear the truth and that that truth would set them free. You're going to find yourself in similar situations. As you are seeking to fulfill that life mission that God is birthing in your heart, you are going to come up against the stubbornness of men's hearts. Do you remember when I preached on this several weeks ago? Just before this passage, Mary Magdalene comes to them, comes to the apostles. These are the spiritual dudes. They are the force of God to be reckoned with in the book of Acts. And as Mary Magdalene tells them, Jesus is risen from the dead, what does it say? Do you see it right there in verse 11? They did not believe. Something was wrong in their heart. They did not believe. So when the two on the way to Emmaus saw Jesus, they walked with them for crying out loud. They, they talked with them. They saw Jesus you know, breaking bread. They, hear, they heard him as he was talking about how the Christ had to suffer and gave such an amazing explanation from the book of Moses on. He began to explain to them what Christ had to do. And as these men met up with the apostles, How did the apostles respond? These mighty men of God. They did not believe them either. And Jesus, when he appears before them, he rebukes them. And he he, he says, you know, guys, he, he rebukes them, it says, for their what? Their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe. That is where the world is today. They either haven't heard the gospel, and we need to tell them, or there is a stubborn refusal. And they push it away because it calls them to life transformation, to take their goals and to turn them over to God and let him rework it. Today we are building, the world is building a Tower of Babel. The world is building something that man can accomplish in his own strengths. And it will always crumble. It will always fail. And the only answer is going to be found in the gospel. Now, that's easy to say, but how do we actually do that? That will take prayer and a discussion. But I'm just today talking about what is our goal? What is your goal? What are you wanting to accomplish? What is God speaking to your heart? I am called, we are called to proclaim to the nations. I can't save them. That's not our goal. That's God's goal, and I've got to leave that in his hands. But this is what I can do. I can say something about it. I can speak against injustices in my world, and I can call people caught in the throes of that injustice and that wickedness and that sin. I can call them to Jesus Christ that they would repent and be reconciled to God so that they may be reconciled to one another. I can do that. You can do that but I can't save them. I can't change their hearts, but there is something I can do. You know, if all problems are rooted in sin and its consequent curse, and the gospel is the answer to that sin and the curse, then the gospel is the answer 
to all problems. Now, do you see this? We cannot leave it out. We must speak it. Well, Jesus now talks about the third thing is the promise fulfilled. He says here that the signs that are accompanying believers as we go and speak the gospel. He talks, Mark talks about the power of the Spirit. If you were to look at those five signs there, I mean, you know what a sign does, right? A sign points to something. It gives you direction. A sign, these signs point to Jesus and the authenticity of the gospel. So that when the gospel is proclaimed, people see these signs and it validates what that gospel is. And what that gospel calls us to do, to believe in Jesus and who he is as the son of God come to rescue me from my sin. Mark talks about the power of the spirit. And these five different things, you can find most of them displayed in the book of Acts. They still continue to this day. The the power of the spirit of God is working in us and through us. John, however, He decides to focus on things just a little differently. If you were to turn to John 14, for example, you wouldn't find, excuse me, John 13, you wouldn't find the power of the Spirit as much as you will find, though there is the promise of the Spirit, as much as you will find the fruit of the Spirit. Listen to what Jesus says. John is quoting Jesus in John 13, 34. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. You see, signs point to something. The power of the Spirit validates and points to Jesus and the authenticity of his message. The love that Jesus puts in our heart, the character of Christ in patience, in kindness and goodness, in humility, in seeking to serve and lift others up rather than ourselves. When the world sees this demonstration of love, they will know Jesus says that you are his disciples and that love will validate that message. I'm gonna tell you right now, as you share the gospel with your friends, they want validation. They want something that's real. They're wearied by religion that is empty. They're wearied by people who seek to espouse the truth, but they don't live it. I'm going to encourage you. As we are called on this mission, this life mission, making disciples, impacting, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, putting him first, loving God with all of our heart, loving our neighbor as ourselves, telling them about Jesus so that their hearts would be transformed. When we are doing this, we lend authenticity to this message and to the God that we serve when they see Jesus in us. And so we can, Jesus says, you can validate this message, guys, in the power of the Spirit, as you rely on the Spirit to speak through you in all manners of spiritual gifts, not just those listed here, but all kinds of spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4, Romans 12. These are a list of spiritual gifts, and I'm going to encourage you to study them and ask God to work through you and impart to you some of these gifts so that he can use you. But on the other hand, we're not just looking at the power of the Spirit, 
But we're looking at the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit living through us. I want to draw your attention to something here. Number two, we see that these are Jesus' last words. And I'm going to just, you know, to conclude that section, Jesus' last words, can I just say this? That when you couple words with action, and those words and actions are, are coupled with either the power of the Spirit or the fruit of the Spirit, you're not just, just going to see uh, a, a, an addition like words plus actions plus power or some sort of signs, like 5 plus 5 equals 10. You're going to see something more along the lines of multiplication like 5 times 5 or exponential impact, 5 times 10 to the 5th. You understand what I'm saying? You see, when we do this, when we seek to walk in the Spirit and simply obey Him, it is not our goal to save, it is our goal to speak. And if we do this and we seek to validate it by the way we live and allow the Spirit of God to work through us, the impact is exponential. We multiply rather than just words alone or actions alone. But Jesus, in verse 19, He tells us, or, or rather, Mark tells us that Jesus ascended into heaven and he sat down at the right hand of the Father. You know, if you were to go back to Daniel chapter 7, Daniel chapter 7, Mark, excuse me, Daniel saw this in a vision. He said he saw one like a son of man, Daniel 7, in this vision, one like a son of man, and he was approaching, and he was actually being ushered into the presence of the Ancient of Days on a cloud. Daniel was seeing this. And as he was ushered into the presence of the Ancient of Days, God the Father, Yahweh Almighty, it says that the Ancient of Days did something. It says this in verse 14. He, referring to Jesus, one like a son of man, he, Jesus, was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. Now, Jesus had these before he came to this earth, but now he became the perfect savior because he had just purchased by his blood our salvation. He accomplished something. And in essence, he earned now this place that the Father was giving him at his right hand. And so all power, all glory, and all sovereign uh, power, what is it? Not, not, hang on one second here. It says, he was given authority, glory, and all sovereign power. Some translations say dominion or a kingdom. Jesus now receives this authority by accomplishing the mission of the cross and resurrection, and he is now empowering his servants, you and me, to accomplish that life mission, that if we stay on task and we do what he's asking us to do, God will do something amazing through us. Exponential in impact. All authority, Jesus said, in heaven and on earth, had been given to him. Therefore, go. As you go, as his ambassador, 
the one with all authority, all power, all dominion, ruler over the kingdom, who is now seeking to extend his kingdom on this earth. He is the one who's commissioned you. Speak, just speak and shine Christ. That is what he is asking you to do. So, why is this so significant? Let me turn back to my place here in in Mark. Why is this so significant? This isn't just a farewell. It's not a, hey, see you guys later. Good luck, guys, by the way. Don't get too persecuted. That's not Jesus' understanding. Look at this. In verse 20, then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them. The Lord worked with them. This is the promise fulfilled. This this is the one with all authority. He is the ruler of this kingdom. He is the one who's accomplishing this goal. It's his goal, not man's goal with man's methods. Acts chapter 4. Do you remember when they're standing before the Sanhedrin? And Peter says, there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. And they said about them, he said, these men have no, they're not lettered men. They have no master's or PhD. That's how we would put it in our language. They didn't study for this, and this is what they said. They could tell that they had been with Jesus. There was a power there that they could not set aside. A man was standing there that Jesus had healed. Through that, confirming the gospel through that confirming the authenticity of what they were speaking there is no other name church given among men under heaven whereby we must be saved and as we speak this truth and as we submit to allow the spirit to work through us in power and in character confirming these things then people will be impacted and that's what happened throughout the book of acts why because they could tell these men had been with Jesus. I want to be with Jesus. I want to love him with all of my heart. I want that intimacy with Jesus so that when it comes time to making disciples, it's going to flow from that relationship. You know, just recently, um, I've been telling you a some stories just as far as opportunities God had given me at one of my dealerships I do work for. Uh, A gentleman by the name of Zach, and he's an atheist. Um, He he said he used to go to church when he was 16 years of age. And in my dialogue with them, and it was actually about the last time that I spoke with him, he said this, and, and I want you to just hear me. This is not to give myself a pat on the back. I just want you to hear me. He said, You know, it's interesting. I've talked with a lot of Christians, but none of them have really talked to me like you have. None of them have even been wanting to talk with me because I offend them. But you've not only heard me, but you have, he didn't say helped me, but he said, you're willing to speak anyway to me. And I'd given him a little booklet. I'd shared quite a bit with him. And I hope that not only did he hear my words, but I hope that he was able to see Christ in me. And I do believe that in our conversation, God gave me insights to be able to share with him. 
that were just for him, okay? A few weeks ago, though, I realized that he no longer works there. Um, I'm not going to go into the details except simply to say that I've not seen him since. I may not ever see him again, but I still pray for my friend Zach. I pray because the scripture says that God's word, when it goes forth, it will accomplish what he desires. It will achieve the very purpose for which he sent it. It will not come back empty. Why? Because Jesus says that when you go, that he is going to be with you. He is right there. When you're speaking to your friend, it is not just up to you to save them. Jesus is right there. He knows their hearts. He might even speak to you and through you directly to their heart. But you got to go. You got to speak. You have to be willing to let Jesus work through you and live through you. And I'm going to tell you this. He's going to be with you. Because his goal to rescue this dead world, this dying society, is greater than yours. Do you want to impact people with your life? Then I'm going to just encourage you. Realize this. As you go, speak, it, speak the word boldly and let him live through you, but know that he will always, always accomplish something great. And you may not ever be able to see it. I wasn't able to see the fruit in the words that I said to my friend Zach. But I've got to pray and I've got to believe that he is, God is doing something in his heart. And every time you speak, God is working behind the scenes in a way you cannot ever understand fully. Let's obey him. Let's trust him. So here's my question to you. As you have written out or maybe thought through a life purpose, a life goal, are you walking in that goal? Or have you allowed the things and the stuff and the junk of this world derail you, sidetrack you? Are you focused were you over here or over there in left field? Church, let's be unified. Let's accomplish this goal of making disciples. Let's seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Let God work through us and speak through us to see this world rescued. That's his job. He will rescue. He will reconcile. He will redeem. But we've got to speak. We've got to shine Christ in this dark world. Can you stand with me? Let's just agree that right now, if you're discouraged today, that God will encourage you. God will re-envision you. God will get you back on track, whatever he's called you to. As I shared with the kids, we want to be givers. That's what our life is all about. And you're not going to always see how you've impacted others. But can you trust him, the one with all authority and all power, that he's got this and that he's using you? Father, we just come before you today, and I ask you, Lord, that you would be encouraging our hearts. The devil wants to derail us. The devil wants to discourage us and get our focus off of what life is really all about. And I ask you, God, encourage our hearts. Speak hope into our hearts this morning, Lord God. Call us back to that goal to be able to be your disciples and to make disciples. And I'm asking you, Father, do amazing things, things even we may not see. 
do this work, God, of rescuing and saving this, this world and transforming our society, our culture from the inside out. God, as we look around America today, we have got to confess we have so moved off course. As a nation, we have become so darkened and we so desperately need the message of Jesus today. Change us, God. Change this nation. Rescue us. I ask you, Father, do this through every one of us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.